Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 69 of Justified Pursuit. We uh, took a week off last week for family vacation, but uh, I think my kiddos were on spring break last week. Chisholm, yours are on spring break this week. Uh, but as always, it's good to be here with my buddy, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. And I think you guys are heading off to Florida. Am I right? That's right. You caught us or we were able to catch up with each other in between uh, spring break vacays. Um, yeah. Tell me about yours, man. How'd it go? Uh, it was great. We went to purgatory and took the kids skiing for the first time ever. Uh, they were all jacked up. And then, of course, the girls just like um, they, they got into ski school, but it was the, the afternoon. The morning was already booked and it was kind of a late minute vacation. And right. So we took the girls and kind of taught them how to ski the first day. And then Henry was over there crying, took his skis off. This is stupid. I hate this. And Aaron's <laughs> like, well, he is his father's son. <laughs> so uh, with but then he saw how much fun his sisters were having on the bunny slope and before you knew it, he was over there himself and vacation was great. Three days of skiing until the very last run on the last day. And the kids ski instructors had taken them through these runs through the trees, which I'm not kidding. It should have been marked a black, um, but I guess kids skis are so short. They can go in there and then expert skiers can go in there. But unless you really know what you're doing, it's like wipeout central and Aaron blew her freaking knee out, had to come home come down the mountain on a uh a stretcher so that oh was, no did she yeah. really tear something oh yeah she had an mri done saturday and uh we'll get the results today but she had she's at work right now god bless her i don't know how but um her one of her friends looked at it and was like i think your acl is toast and your meniscus looks pretty jacked up too so <clears throat> yeah um all tree runs are expert terrain regardless of how they're marked man that's or for kids the kids sailed right through that's that where stuff. people crack their heads open yeah well uh nowadays people wear helmets and right I, I did not wear one and you will not get me to wear one and i will still drink out of the water hose and i'm gonna be okay i wear a helmet I, when i ski now i took I a say 90 percent of the people on the mountain wore helmets and then yeah but there were people like me who were like, I'm pretty set in my ways, dude. I'm not wearing a helmet. And I'm not, I don't wear a helmet when I ride a bike, you know, when I, around the neighborhood, whatever. It's just, uh, it's not, I'm not about that. I'm, I've, I've gotten to be 40 without wearing a helmet and I'm not going to start now. So you can call me stubborn, stupid, whatever you want. I don't care. It's not going to change my opinion. My wife, my wife's already said all of it to me. <laughs> Y'all had real good snow the whole time, right? Oh, it was amazing. It was the best powder ever. Like it snowed four feet the week before we came. Oh, wow. It snowed nice. every day we were there. Probably. Another, yeah. I'd say we probably got another 10 inches of snow while we were there. So if it was solid ice from the top of the lift to the bottom, the whole time you were there, would that it might have like maybe have in Santa Fe? Would that have <laughs> maybe changed your opinion at 40 years old about the, the, the value of a helmet? I wouldn't have gone in any trees, but no, I wouldn't put a helmet on my head. No. He made your okay. eye roll there. I uh, I had probably a similar thought process when the helmet thing started. I think I've only been in skiing probably three times since the helmet wave descended. Um, but I took a, a, I wiped out falling on my back one time, and my head hit 
the slope hard and mm-hmm. I had a headache the rest of the day, probably, you know, a mild concussion, to be honest. Uh, I think the very next time I went, I had a GoPro. So I had like the built-in excuse of, well, I want to stick my GoPro on my helmet. So I got myself a helmet mm-hmm. and felt a lot more secure on super icy Lake Tahoe conditions. If it was super powdery, like you were dealing with, I probably, I might go without it, but icy, I'm not above wearing a helmet. And well, when I'm riding my road bike, you can bet your ass I'm wearing a helmet. About, about this tree run. Uh, it was like, I would say like a Bob, it reminded me of the winter Olympic, like Olympics, like a bobsled course where you're just like going down these narrow things and the snow raises and you have to like ski on the sidewall. And oh stuff. yeah. Bank so Aaron went it. in there the first time the kids did it because they were like, we want to go down this thing that our, our ski instructors took us. And we're like, well, y'all, are, y'all suck at skiing. So, okay, that should be pretty easy for <laughs> adults that have been skiing many times. Yeah, keep in I mind, in they just snowplow the whole way. have to go. I'm going so fast that I intentionally wipe out because Stella had wiped out in front of me. I was like, I'm going to run into her. So I, I abandoned ship. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this again. But the kids, they, we went four times total through there. And... Aaron went the first time and she wiped out pretty good. And she was like, I'm going to not do that again. And then the last run on the last day, she was like, Oh, all the kids are doing it. I'll go. And so I went like second, or maybe I sent two of the kids in front of me and Aaron went last. And uh, Frankie ended up in a snow drift off, off this jump that ends the thing. And so she's crying, can't get out of there. This powder is like three or four feet tall. So I'm dealing with that. And then I hear Aaron yelling at me. I fell. I hurt myself. And I can't even see her. She's in the tree somewhere. I'm like, oh, shit. Now I've got this kid that's crying and stuck in the snow. And I've got a wife who's, I don't know what the extent of her injury is. And so that, like, put me in a, in a rock, in between a rock and a hard place. Finally got the kid out of the snow. And then Aaron was like, I'm just, you know, I can't get my ski back on. I can't put any weight on my knee. So she walked. She was able to walk out of there and then. The kids and I skied down and called ski patrol and they went up and got her on a, a, a sled and hauled her ass down the mountain. So best vacation ever went south in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, pal. Sorry, I know the man. kids don't even realize the extent of what happened. You know, they're like, mom hurt her knee. They don't understand like right. the potential she might have to have a reconstruction. 12 months worth of rehab and just shit that we're going to be dealing with. And yeah. hey, kids. Guess what? You're now putting your own laundry away. Mom's not walking up the stairs anymore. So life's going to change yeah, around here. It's an opportunity for growth. <laughs> that's going to be a slap for mama, and that's it. Yeah. Not for the kids. Tough love. <sighs> anyway, hmm. I hope that y'all's vacation is injury-free. Uh, me too. Something yep. will have gone fairly substantially wrong if we get injured walking around disney world but i'm sure it can happen so what made you choose disney world over disneyland out in beautiful california with on this show do we have to ask that question (laughs) i mean where would i rather spend my money the free state of florida although it's still going to woke disney one way or another i guess yeah uh yeah i mean uh, you know i've only been to disney world when i was like six maybe seven years old I don't even, I mean, I think world is kind of bigger and better and there's just generally kind of more going on compared to land. But I mean, first and foremost, yeah, I'm going to the free state of Florida over the people's Republic of California. Yeah. Uh, six days a week and twice on Sunday. 
I was the only person <clears throat> in full camo on the mountain. I did see some other camo jackets. Uh, right. Was like, but full head to head to toe, including your beanie and every like mask, like yeah, balaclava. Like, no, I don't need you to buy me. Any- I have everything I need. And uh, she looked at me like the day that we like the first day. She's like, "Are you serious?" And I was like, "This is the warmest stuff I have, and I don't want to spend any money. I'd, I've I haven't been skiing in ten years. Why am I going to buy a whole new outfit?" Now, of course, the kids are like, "Do we do this every year?" I was like, "Well, it kind of <laughs> depends on mom's knee. She might right. be uh, a green slope." professional only at this point but, uh, dude i used to ski everything you could throw at me not like proficiently not beautifully but i would go right mm-hmm. double black doesn't matter tree run doesn't matter hike up ski some backcountry bold i'm on it now blues all day <laughs> give uh, me a nice wide yeah. blue with some nice steep drops here and there where you can get a little like bit of speed fast, but i also like to be able to yeah. stop and so I went right. down one black on this trip only and was like, oh, these moguls not Suck. so much fun. It's just no. going side to side because I'm not a professional skier, not even expert skier. So I was like, yeah, no more of that. Blues blues are the ticket for sure. Blues are great. You can get going fast, but like you said, there's always a nice flat spot coming where you can stop and not be standing on a 70-degree pitch or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And moguls, I mean, just just <laughs> – f moguls like what's right. fun about moguls there's nothing no, fun about moguls but of course henry's like i can do those who were going up the ski lift he's like that's a black i can do that well, that's what i'm saying back in the day all, all like, i was gonna have to do multiple do it, though i mean he's very just... half-assed ugly mogul runs a, a day just because they're hard i saw enough people there. that looked like what i would have looked like on the black skiing i was like yeah that doesn't look fun not yeah. anymore not at 40 um a lot of happened while <laughs> we were away Apparently, well, I've got a lot to get into in a short amount of time to do it today, but apparently... Yeah, short call. Short uh, show. There were Sorry. some missiles fired from Iran to what, Iraq? Herbal Iraq, yeah, uh, which is the center city of Kurdistan, which uh-huh. is like technically iraq although the kurds that's where the kurds are from when you've heard of the kurds that's right? where that's the like saddam hussein used nerve gas on that on those people right because the kurds are much more western they don't didn't like being under uh under saddam's rule or even they don't want to be part of iraq they consider themselves an independent thing and since we went in there and uh you know made a, a big mess of their entire uh nation we've sort of refused to acknowledge them as independent yet we use their super elite fighting force uh for our own agenda but yeah supposedly their initial report was some missiles hit our consulate in herbal mm-hmm. um and then that changed to near our consulate in herbal so it doesn't sound like our consulate was actually struck um but uh the iranians or the iranian revolution army or whatever it's called is definitely claiming credit for it so, so that's good when i left it was ukraine and russia and now we've got this other sideshow going on yeah 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 um again i'll make sure to make it clear i stand corrected it sounds like that these globalist a-holes are bound and determined to kick off world war three as a you know precursor to the great reset i guess uh saw something yesterday or maybe even this morning that russia is trying to recruit chinese help to bolster their efforts in ukraine i saw that for hope that's got no legs 
I'm sure it does. They're very friendly. Why wouldn't it have legs? smoke up your ass. Well, asking China to help and China jumping and doing something about it are two different things. China's got their eyes on Taiwan, right? So um, do they want to spin their powder on Russia's cause when they're going to see how it sh- seems to me from their perspective, they'll watch how this whole deal shakes out in Ukraine and that'll be a go, no go for their move on Taiwan. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll all just jump in it together and throw Iran and remember the old uh, 60s and 70s uh, instructions to duck and cover when you see the flash (laughs) it's modern day Axis powers yeah Uh, I've learned a a few interesting things about Ukraine since then that I think are worth uh, going over first of all in our last show I certainly wasn't trying to make light of five dead in that one attack where Remember, I was talking about this article that was like, you know, this town is being pummeled by Russian forces. And then it was like five people dead, five people hurt. Still five civilians dead and five civilians hurt, at least according to the report. Mm -hmm. Wasn't trying to make light of that. Just trying to say, you know, a headline talking about a city getting pummeled. And then it's like one building got struck. Right. Um, There's just a ton of missing Mis, dis, and malinformation as the. Have we talked about that yet? That the administration has a new word for uh, the kind of information people like you and I share. So we've already had misinformation mm-hmm. and disinformation, and each of those is a little different. If I'm not mistaken, misinformation is like wrong or like deliberately misleading, and disinformation is like missing context. You know, the fact checkers love to be like, this is not this is missing context. And so then they give you a whole bunch of explanation about how the sorry Democrat who said the terrible thing that the Republicans are calling out. Here's all the context. And then you read all the context and you're like, still sounds pretty shitty. That's one of their tricks. Now they have malinformation. None of these can be just described as lies because there's truth in all three categories. But it's like we don't like the outcome of this information. And what it does to people's perceptions of our narratives and agendas. So it's malinformation and we'll just dismiss it as such. So there's mis, dis, and malinformation coming in about Ukraine, uh, left, right, and center, um, front and back, up and down, all directions. Um, I think the most important of which is just like, how did we get here? Right. I've talked about Victoria. That's the most amazing thing that I keep seeing is everyone's freaking Uh, blaming Trump. Last time I checked, they didn't invade Ukraine when Trump was president. How is he taking the heat for this? Oh, Trump was so friendly with Russia. Well, maybe that's Beyond true. Maybe it isn't. But, dude, what happened to the idea? And it's one that I live by. And it's why I look at CNN and MSNBC. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. Like, that's what a good leader would do. Even if Trump didn't like Putin and really hated Russia. Uh, yeah, well, there's a reason that you want to keep, uh, uh, you know, a vice grip, or at least monitor them as much as you can, whether he was flexing on them or not. Like, how how are people turning around and saying, this is Trump's fault? Listen, man, he was flexing on them. It's complete crap. Trump, his MO when dealing with an adversary is to butter them up. And as long as that adversary is not bad-mouthing him, he's perfectly happy to speak nicely of that person. That does not mean for one second that behind the scenes... He's not doing everything he can to undermine their position. He's a deal maker. Being a, a great politician. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently Trevor Noah may, start be, may be starting to agree with that. Did you see that? Uh-uh. 
I don't know if he was being facetious and the whole thing was sarcasm, but he had a bit maybe at the end of last week I saw on Instagram where he was sitting there saying this wouldn't have happened under Trump because Trump was a crazy person and Russia would have known better than to screw with him. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's the point. And that's but that's by design. Trump behaves the way he does because he keeps people off balance and they know you can't listen. We've had an ongoing engagement in Syria, like a covert war. war. Somehow, I don't remember the details, but American forces got sideways with Russian mercenaries in Syria and killed like 150 of them during the Trump administration. Russian operatives. That's a fact. When I get around to them, I'll put it in the show notes. So between that and supposedly he levied the largest sanctions ever on Russia. And the simple bottom line is, we talked about this on our last show, though. We had four years where Putin stayed put. And then 14 months after that man left office, bang, Putin is invading Ukraine, right? But again, people need to understand, I'm not taking, at no point am I taking Russia slash Putin's side on what's going on, right? Right. But everybody needs to understand what's actually going on because this is clearly a psyop you know i saw earlier today somebody posted signs in philadelphia airport blue and yellow signs we support ukraine oh you know? great yeah and i want to change my yeah. uh, facebook avatar to a blue and yellow also we'll pray for ukraine right Who gives a shit right like this all boils down to for ukraine every night or for the... world peace right i mean who doesn't want that but like right. what do you really Oh, I'm supporting Ukraine. Like you're not doing anything. It makes me feel good to say I'm supporting Ukraine. So you can go back to the H.W. Bush administration in 1989 when they were working out like what to do after the fall of the Berlin Wall as the USSR was cratering, right? And as part of, I can't remember the context of the negotiations, but Bush's, I think, Secretary of State made a promise to Mikhail Gorbachev that the U.S. slash NATO, which is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, right? That's like the post-World War II alliance of Western powers, right? We left Russia out because even though they were our allies in World War I and World War II, they were Eastern commie bastards, and so they didn't get to be part of NATO, right? Right. <clears throat> the Bush administration promised Gorbachev that we would not make a move. may have been the guy right after Gorbachev, but I think it was Gorbachev, or right before Gorbachev. Anyway. That we would not, as a entity, as a country, or as part of NATO, make moves into Ukraine, or you know, move any further eastward as an as an organizational treaty towards Russia. There would be this buffer zone left, right? Because Poland's in NATO, um, uh, a, a bunch of other countries have been annexed since the fall of the USSR. You can look this up it's readily available but for like his entire presidency putin has been saying y'all have broken your promise because we have been investing in and manipulating the politics of ukraine collectively we being nato and specifically the u.s ever since mm -hmm. look at <laughs> the, the the perfect phone call that donald trump had where he was trying to ferret out some of the crooked shady bs that Joe and Hunter Biden were pulling in Ukraine. Joe Biden used his own 
position as vice president to leverage Ukrainian officials to get a prosecutor fired who was looking into corruption, right? The worst is, I've mentioned this lady, Victoria Nuland. She has had this agenda to basically take over Ukraine as part of NATO. Take over, they would absolutely dismiss out of hand and call me BS for that, right? But if we're looking to annex Ukraine and put NATO right on the border of Russia, forgive, you know, why would that not be looked at as acts of aggression and hostility by Putin, right? Why is NATO encroaching upon their territory when you can go back Russia's to so big. 19... Why do, they, why, why do they care about that? Uh, just, I mean, what is the threat? So so this small country that's... How big is Ukraine? Compared, Ukraine's smaller than... Let's say it's the size of, like, what, Oklahoma? It's not a big country. I think it's bigger than Oklahoma, but... It's, like it's not as big as Texas. 40, there's 40-something million people there. I don't know geographically, but it's it's not but it's, tiny. It's, a, it's, it's it, Are you aware that it's small compared to Russia? Russia is the biggest landmass uh, loaded, loaded with fossil fuels and rare earth minerals. Right. Okay. So right. that's the threat. That's, that's the answer to the question. That's also the reason NATO wants it. Right. Well, right? No, it all comes down question, to right? what's that's in the ground. How can we make money off of it? Right. Yeah. And, but yeah. Well, I mean, but Russia. no, I mean, the, the, the threat is, I don't know. I get your point, right? You're you're speaking as though NATO are are uh, the good guys, right? You don't have to worry about NATO. They're always on the right side of things, right? I don't assume that anymore. I used to. But I, don't I don't assume. assume I don't think that they're uber aggressive, like uh, starting wars. Like if they're gobbling up former, if they're gobbling up former Soviet territory from the Soviet, you know, from the former Soviets' perspective. Yeah. then that alone is an act of aggression, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, my main point is, in, there's, there was a documentary which you and I needed to run down and watch that was put on, it was made, produced by Oliver Stone, released in 2014 called Ukraine Burning or Ukraine on Fire. Mm -hmm. And it was all about specifically this lady, Victoria Newland and her neoliberal cohorts, neoliberal slash neocon, I think they're the same thing cohorts trying to get nato claws into ukraine against the wishes of putin etc again putin is a bastard of the highest order this is a guy who rigged his own constant he gave, used a puppet uh you know basically operative to pretend to be president for a few years while he then went behind the scenes changed their constitution to get himself reelected and allow himself to be president forever right he's a bad guy he's a dictator he's a despot sounds a lot like what Trudeau's doing, but I would say Putin, like, if you were going to get in a... Trudeau is just a, a little bitch. You know what they have in common? They're the both power. part of Klaus Schwab's really world leaders. An, a street fight with Putin. Now, Trudeau, I would be like, yeah, let's go. You soy yeah. drinking douche. Yeah. You can't beat the lightest uh, UFC female fighter, but you could definitely whoop Justin Trudeau's ass. Now, I could definitely beat the lightest uh, UFC female fighter, by the way. For the so anyway... That's like a hundred pounds. I, I was I was talking to somebody else about this, explaining you and I's uh, ongoing hypothetical, and they're like, "Dude, you would destroy her if she weighed. You would. I weigh two hundred. I weigh a hundred and ten more pounds than her. Laughable. Destroy anyway, <clears throat> so Trudeau, I'd love to do it too. So there's this whole documentary out there about the moves that this group of American polit bureaucrats really. State Department bureaucrats slash NATO operatives have been making on Ukraine for a long time. Why it's become this like bastion of corruption, right? For everybody from 
Uh, Mitt Romney has a bunch of money that comes in from there. You name it, right? Every major politician in the last 20, 30 years in America is getting cash from Ukraine for somehow or another, right? So there's this audio recording. Or artwork that they painted, too. There's this, yeah. There's this audio recording of her having a conversation with, I think, the guy's got an American accent. I don't know if he was a U.S. government official or like a NATO official on behalf of the U.S. government. But they're talking about like three different political factions and which ones to prop up and who's going to report to who and how you're going to keep a lid on this and that. And they're basically just dictating how we were going to puppeteer Ukrainian politics back in 2014. Mm. And this lady, this is Victoria Nuland. She's all over the news. Deep State Marco Rubio just last week was interviewing her in the Senate, not interviewing, but, you know, interrogating her in the Senate about these claims of uh, biological weapons that Russia and China are claiming that, you know, the, that NATO slash the U.S. has been making in Ukraine for years. It was all rigged. Rubio is a deep state, oper- deep state operative himself. He was literally just leading Victoria Newland down the primrose path to get the answers he wanted. He specifically said to her, they're now claiming that uh, if there's a release of a biological weapon, it'll be the U.S., can you say definitively that in no uncertain in no uncertain terms, if there is such a release, it'll be Russia's fault? And she was like, oh, absolutely. I can say that. That's part of their playbook. It was like, that's an interesting way to ask the question, counselor. If you were in court, you would re- get an objection and it would be sustained instantly. And he's a lawyer, by the way. Anyway, <clears throat> there's this quote from that 2014 documentary recording of the, this recording of this call that's in that documentary where she's talking to this guy about how we're going to do things the way the U.S. wants it in terms of puppeteering these politicians. And she specifically said, because fuck, fuck the EU is what she said. F the EU. She said that it's a it's an infamous, infamous call that every American so should be aware of. I'm going to say the F word there. And just like I'm going to say the quote. <laughs> right. If Joe Rogan right. said the N word out in that context, I'm not going to say that he's a racist. Right. You know? She said F the EU. Basically, we're doing things the way we want them done, right? So fast forward to now, and there's an obvious pro-Ukrainian, pro-Western democracy in Ukraine agenda coming forth from our politics, you know, our media, who, same as with Pfizer, you know, who's the next biggest funder? Pfizer today, right? Booster shot, (laughs) right? Yeah, the, the pharmaceutical companies and the military-industrial complex. Because COVID is over. Once again, thank you, Putin. Here's right. your Nobel Peace Prize. The pharmaceuticals and the U.S. military-industrial com- industrial complex pay the bills of American media. So it's not surprising. They're always for war. Always for war. And always excusing it and defending it and bringing on spooks to justify why it's necessary, right? I can't remember if we talked about this. But Eastern Ukraine seems to be mostly what Putin's after. Eastern Ukraine between roughly Kiev and Russia is an area called the Donbass region where like 90% of those people speak Russian mm-hmm. and like 70% of those people consider themselves Russian over Ukrainian. And in fact, for 20 full years now, they have been at war with the Ukrainian Western propped up Ukrainian democratic government for their own either independence or the ability to rejoin Russia. So it's not as though this is a completely, you know, conflict-free, 
whole bunch of innocent people that were just sitting around and one day Putin showed up with a psychotic agenda. So this has been going on for a really question. long time. Are, is that sect of the Ukrainian population fighting for Russia? Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. They've joined the, the Russian army and they're like, I mean, I, I don't know. You're not going to see that in American media. I'm telling you, they identify well, as Russians. So if, whether they're if, whether they're marching they with them, their freedom, they would be doing. I just exactly I can't that. tell you for sure that they're actually picking up arms and marching in formation with Russian dude, soldiers, right? Nobody knows. Exactly. Nobody knows. I'm just telling you the history of it. The Donbass region has been in dispute for a long, long time. Which I'm fine. And when he offered settlement, very interesting, by the way. When he offered settlement terms last week, that's all he wanted geographically. Mm-hmm. Kiev and the rest of Western Ukraine would remain an independent nation, somewhat of a vassal to russia and would agree that they were never allowed to join nato was basically what he came up with right (laughs) it's it's not what we're being told it is um by any stretch of the imagination i think from our our role in it our interest in it all has to do with selling guns and ammunition and jets and and bombs and missiles and blah, blah 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 right because afghanistan shut down those guys got to make their money somewhere. And, um, well, yeah, I guess I kind of lost my train of thought or ran out of steam there. But uh, here's an idea. How about we stop giving complicated freaking guns and bombs and jets and helicopter and Blackhawks and I don't know. There's a thought. I mean, one of the things that... Why does America insist on making our enemies stronger, making ourselves weaker? Like, and it goes back to... Uh, Shutting down the Keystone Pipeline or any other example where we cut Dude. our own balls off because we are so concerned with going green and going to uh, non-petroleum, non-natural gas-based resource uh, fuel Dude, energy. The, the, like, the per- wh- wh- who cares? Unless India and China are in on in the same level, we're not making a dent. Like the ozone's magically going to get better because the 330 million Americans are now all they're cha- we're weakening our own um <clears throat> economy number one <clears throat> our own standing as a superpower you think that india what, well, india is what do you what do you but, think the purpose of klaus schwab and the world economic forum's great reset initiative is i, I mean it seems to me that they, they just keep the elites in power in perpetuity globally right one of their stated objectives is to eliminate the u.s as the dominant world economic and military power and the sad implement doing dude, it to ourselves because because there are people within the u.s government who want the same thing either because they're aligned with the world economic foundation or they're wild ass marxists or both right but the point is they think that u.s dominance globally is a bad thing and they don't want any individual nation having a superpower type status they want like you said the global elites the smart ones with the money and the power to run the whole globe you know comprehensively for the quote better men of all in a collective fashion like right? china's so, going to be down with that so you have to undermine yeah <clears throat> well china is a major threat way bigger of a problem than russia I mean, just it's not even close. Like with their their tech, Russia's a mess financially. Uh, China, I'm not saying that the people are happy, but communism has made China what it is. And 
we're to blame for a lot of that for sending jobs and manufacturing over there. I mean, we were what propped up. What is what is what does China have that a country like the U.S. doesn't? Complete control and domination of their people, mm. despite having four or five times as many. Right, the World Economic Forum wants to control how many miles you drive. They want to control what you drive. They want to control your carbon footprint. They want to control what you're allowed to own or not own. In fact, what they say, and I'm not making this shit up, they say it, listen to their podcast, is that you'll own in the grand post-reset world they're creating, you'll own nothing and you'll be happier for it because you'll have no responsibilities. The government will just provide everything to you on loan or rent, et cetera, right? They How do you control so in 1984. China becoming essentially a global superpower, the global superpower, actually fits right in with the World Economic Foundation's m- kind of broader picture agenda of controlling all of humanity the way China controls its citizens. How do you go about doing that? You, no, I mean, debank, you debank someone who supports That's Donald okay. Trump, right? Or the yeah. trucker convoy. You deplatform people who say the wrong things on a podcast, right? You build social credit scores on people who dare have, you know, express their wrong think out loud. All the stuff that Orwell taught us about 1984. In fact, I have to read an Orwell quote before we get too much farther down this that I, I found today. <clears throat> and it sums up, I think, the remainder of whatever talk we could have about, about what's going on in Ukraine. This is an Orwell quote. Early in, not, early in life, I had noticed that no event is ever correctly reported in a newspaper. But in Spain, for the first time, I saw newspaper reports which did not bear any relation to the facts, not even the relationship which is implied in, ordinary, in an ordinary lie. I saw great battles reported where there had been no fighting and complete silence where hundreds of men had been killed. I saw troops who had fought bravely, denounced as cowards and traitors, and others who had never seen a shot fired hailed as the heroes of imaginary victories. And I saw newspapers in London retailing these lies and eager intellectuals building emotional superstructures over events that had never happened. I saw, in fact, history being written not in terms of what happened, but of what ought to have happened according to various, quote, party lines. He died in 1949 or 50, so this would have been written somewhere in the 40s. Speaking of his time, as a revolutionary in the Spanish Civil War, fighting on behalf of the anti-fascist slash socialists, right? Keeping in mind, Orwell himself was a lifelong socialist and then wrote a couple of the most damning condemnations of that worldview that have ever been penned, right? Mm -hmm. Basically saying right there, the news will just lie to you about these conflicts to serve the agenda that they see fit. That was the case 70 years ago, and it's the case right now. Um, in, in the same vein of, of <coughs> the Great Reset, and I think it's very clear that the Biden administration, it, it, Joe Biden is not running the show, right? It's, he's a puppet. Whoever's pulling the strings is very obviously pro great reset. They're trying to weaken our economy. Um, There's no doubt about that. And I found it interesting, though. And your dad actually sent us this video. I want to play a little bit of it because, you know, we've all heard about um, Biden having to ask 
other countries to start pumping more oil, which is absolutely asinine. We have all the oil that we need right here. I don't remember the exact number of years that we could run on our own oil supply, but it's a long time. A long rest of our lives. Yep. Yeah. So, and I think by by the time we're dead, yeah, okay, maybe we could transition towards different energy sources. There's no doubt, but it can't happen overnight. And that's what people. Well, there's just no excuse for having to rely on the the oil of despotic OPEC nations when we could be supplying our own. Yeah. Well, so why 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 are we asking the UAE and Saudi Arabia for more oil? We have it. We don't need their oil. But this is uh, this was interesting, and I think it's because of Biden's failed diplomatic policy when it comes to foreign countries. Uh, his track record with Afghanistan, his ineptitude with this whole russia situation how weak it's made him look as a leader but uh, i'm just gonna play this because it's fascinating and this is from gravitas making sense of the news um i don't know the lady's name here but uh yeah old four star your father sent it to us so let's take a listen and history will also judge joe biden how he led ukraine down the war path how his failed diplomacy gave Russia the advantage. Do you remember what Biden said after taking office? America is back, he said. Diplomacy is back. Back to where exactly? Let me show you. Joe Biden's immediate priority is to stabilize oil prices, to make West Asian countries pump more oil. Just one problem. He cannot get through to them. And I mean literally. According to U.S. media reports, the leaders of Saudi Arabia and the UAE are not answering Biden's calls. When did that happen? We don't have a specific date, but reports say in the last few weeks, the White House tried to arrange two calls, one with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, <coughs> second with the UAE Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan. Both men, the Saudi and the Emirati, refused to take the call. But do you know what's even more humiliating? Both of these leaders spoke to Vladimir Putin. What does the snub reveal? a trust deficit. Both Saudi Arabia and the UAE are key US defense partners. They depend on American weapons. They depend on American leadership. And Biden has failed to give both. They're taking Putin's calls and they're ignoring Biden. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, if he's dead set on crippling the economy and I drove to Colorado last week, gas $4.30 uh, to two places I had to fill up. And you talk about she even mentioned his failed diplomacy. Like these dudes don't even won't even talk to him. Like, oh, the, it's the president of the United States of America on the phone. No, we're good. <laughs> we, we'll talk to Putin though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising. It's, and so, I mean, it, again, the only reason Putin pulled the movie did <clears throat> is because it, he knew there was a corpse in the White House. So or your dad sent a, ma a major reason, and we had to verify that. But there's about ten different links to stories um, validating, and it was apparently leaked from U.S. intelligence that this was actually happening. These sheiks, prince, not interested in talking to Biden. But hey, we need your oil. Oh, sorry about you. Enjoy your. The there's more stickers popping up on those pumps. The I did that stickers every day. <laughs> Now there's Pelosi ones that says I helped. And Thankfully, I saw an article this morning um, from a major from like CBS or NBC or ABC, one of those I think that was 
you know, they've been basically trying to blame Putin for inflation and especially the gas prices. They pretend that if you go back to January, we weren't already complaining about all these things. That the 7.9% inflation rate was announced like two weeks before the Ukraine thing started. Right? They, they get to like, they, they just, they think we're such idiots exactly. with, you know, bong water for brains or whatever. Can't remember what happened last week <clears throat> that they can get away with this lie. Right. And so this, this poll, you know, right now his poll, his poll numbers, his approval ratings have ticked up three or four percent. You know, he's still forty-two percent uh, approval. How is that? What? Who are the four percent of the population that dude, changed their minds, dude? What the it's hell just, is wrong with those morons? It's just the, it's the, Jeez. it's the barely informed that make those types of swings. It has always been the case that during an international crisis, Americans rally around their president. And frankly, they should, right? But what this article broke down was just because he's seen an uptick in approval rating doesn't mean people are buying their BS. They still show huge numbers of independents specifically that know he's the cause of inflation and gas prices rising prior to this, right? They're disappointed with how he's handled the economy. They're disappointed with how he's handled COVID. Blah, 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 all the way down there's the line. So right? ma- there's montages out there that have him calling it the Putin inflation or the Putin gas hike. Right. But but my, what I'm saying is this this article is saying that the polling, even though his approval rating has ticked up a little bit, that when you ask the right set of questions, people aren't buying their lies. Um, but, but simultaneously, while they say the majority of all this is on him, also, a majority, and specifically in this poll of Republicans, said that they were willing to pay a little bit more for gas in the short term to starve Russia out of Ukraine. So it's like, it's certainly been made worse by the Ukraine thing, right? So we shouldn't sit here and pretend like it hasn't. Oh, dude, I'm, So I'm the, basically the poll, the poll indicated everybody's seeing the same world we are, you know, at least the, the, major, the majority. I'm paying a little more at the pump for X number of months until this crisis, you know, to... to in hopes that Ukraine remains a sovereign nation. You know, it'd be real easy for me to sit here and say, no, I'd much rather just use all of our own oil. But here's part of the problem. There's a s- different types of crude and different refineries are tooled to process different types of crude for different types of refined products, right? So we go to Venezuela and Russia specifically for two kind of primary variants, a sweet crude and a heavy crude we have refineries in this country that can process the heavy crude from Venezuela and the sweet crude from, you know, Russia. And both of them, I think, kind of have both. Part of the reason they went to Venezuela is because Venezuela's crude is similar to the stuff we get from Russia. But the point is, like, crude from Saudi may not be able to go straight to a certain refinery in the U.S. that processes and refines Russian sweet crude, right? There is a supply chain that's much deeper than just crude oil. So all the fracking we do in America, that material that we frack and bring up that in the form of a liquid is not necessarily ready to go to one of the refineries in New Jersey that processes that Russian crude because it's not the same stuff and you can't make the same stuff out of it, mm-hmm. right? So am I willing to pay a little bit more? I guess I don't have a choice, you know? Should we be continuing to buy? You, Ru- do you believe that there's any type of... Uh, validation and actually saying okay well this is a human humanitarian choice i'm we don't have a choice right but we can make ourselves feel better by saying well you know it's better for the ukrainian people if we have to pay a little bit more i don't think we should be buying russian crude 
while they are invading an independent state. Correct. But I don't either. I don't want to turn a blind eye to whatever role America slash NATO played in those hostilities. That's my take, right? Yeah. The chicken slash egg is way further back than what's happened in the last month. Mm-hmm. So we should watch that Ukrainian Ukraine on fire thing or whatever. Um, unfortunately, we do have to bail out of this one. Um, you got to get packed up for Florida. I'm sure I got to go grab the kiddos. And- yep. Wanted to squeeze one in. Eyes and all sorts of fun stuff to deal with here. Yeah, that sucks. We'll have a more comprehensive. You know, I feel like as a husband, I feel like I failed her because I looked at her because I just thought she was going to keep skiing and just meet us at the end of that run in the trees. And I looked back and there she was. And I was like, oh, I guess she's going to stick this one out. And like I should have just been like, get your ass out of here. What are you doing? And I told her, (laughs) I feel I feel really bad. that Like I let you down as your husband and I was supposed to protect you and now you've blown your not telling her she wasn't ready for the tree run like you know that might have very well blown up in her face too so i'd I'd let you i'd forgive yourself for that Uh, shit happens yeah you just hate seeing your she might have looked at you and been like hurt f you i've got this get out of my way Uh, all right well that's gonna do it for episode 69 (laughs) we didn't even make any funny 69 jokes so i guess we're getting we we're maturing as we go here i don't know uh that definitely can't be the case (laughs) um i got a funny uh facebook someone commented on my on my outdoor show about my uh they decided to stop listening and it had everything to do with politics nothing to do with this but i'll read that next week i also if you have time chisholm check out the mark zuckerberg uh interview on the lex friedman podcast oh yeah did you like it like to listen to that i'd like to review that okay Um, cool he doesn't come across as a horrible person but if I doubt that he is a horrible person. Know what to look for. I mean, it's pretty easy to see the, the <coughs> obvious lies there. One that my right. sister turned me on to. So, anyway, that's going to do it for episode sixty-nine of Justified Pursuit for Chisholm Cook. I'm Cable Smith. We will see you guys next time. Later. Peace that's in the it. east. You always uh, yeah. have some good one-liner to end the thing. Peace in the east came up too late, and then you interrupted Lame. it. So, all right. See y'all it. later. <laughs> Always been a gambling man, rolling bones with either hand. Seven years of promised land, early in the morning. Real whiskey be my dying bed, tell me where to lay my head. I with me is all she said.